The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief where we talk each week about the transformations that come from loss. I'm happy to have you here. Please go to my host page at Voice America. You'll find links to all your favorite ways to connect there. Today, I'm welcoming Kelly D. Carlisle. Kelly, founder and executive director of Acta Nonverba, a nonprofit that teaches city kids how to garden, is a veteran of the United States Navy and has been the recipient of many awards, including the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal. She's an avid gardener and is an Alameda County Master Gardener trainee. She is an active member of the Farmer Veteran Coalition. Ms. Carlisle was selected as one of 200 U.S. delegates to Slow Food International's Terra Madre and Salone del Gusto in 2012, and one of only five selected from the San Francisco Bay Area. Ms. Carlisle is the December 2011 Bon Appetit Good Food Fellow. She's worked with and mentored preteen and teenage youth since the age of 14. A native of East Oakland, California, she's committed to creating positive change in her childhood city. Previously, Kelly ran a successful catering business dedicated to utilizing local and sustainable produce. She's a mother, activist, and concerned citizen. Kelly, welcome to Good Grief. Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) I am so happy to have you. Um, As you know, I I found you through... um, a Sunset Magazine article. Honestly, I usually read Sunset Magazine when when I'm kind of taking a break from uh, uh, looking for guests for the show. But there you were, and I was just in, really intrigued by a few things. First, that you're a veteran, and I know so many veterans have a hard time when they return from tours just reintegrating. So that caught my attention. And then second, you're farming in East Oakland with youth to support their healing and growth. That's just a powerful combination, I feel. Thank you so much. Yeah. Can you tell us about the program, how it works, uh, what what you offer the kids and, and all of that? Sure. So we have a quarter-acre farm located near the Oakland Coliseum that is run by kids age 5 to 13. So the kids plan, plant, harvest, and sell the produce, and 100% of those uh, funds are placed into individual savings accounts for them. That's amazing. And for people who are not from Oakland, California, as I happen to be, uh, the Coliseum area, to me, I think of as kind of factory, some housing for sure, but it's, I don't think of it as a part, even a part of Oakland, that there would be farming. So that's really amazing. How did the land come to you? 
So uh, in 2010, um, there was a series of news stories that came out about um, the state of Oakland. Um, the FBI had us listed as the fifth most dangerous city. Um, you know, the teen prostitution was on the rise. And the the issue, having a school-aged child myself, um, that was most shocking was a almost 40% dropout rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to figure out a way for kids to um, invest in themselves to really start thinking about the future. Um, I decided to use the nonprofit model, and I went and bought, you know, nonprofit management for dummies, and the first thing <laughs> it said was, tell everyone. So I did. I told my family, I told my friends, and it just so happened that my sister was attending a a class on environmental justice um, at the local community college, and she connected me with her professor, and the professor connected me with Cynthia um, Armstrong here at the um, City of Oakland Parks and Recreation, um, Mm. who had been looking for someone to put in a a community garden or urban farm or something on this underutilized parcel of land um, in Tasfaranga Park. So I connected with her, and she marched me out to the quarter acre and said, do something with this. Wow, what an amazing story. How do people hear about you? A bunch of different ways. Um, Our social media presence has increased enormously since 2011. Um, We're almost to 700 fans. Um, That's great. (laughs) uh, We have a emailing list um, from people that like I've actually met. So uh, we have about uh, 2,700 people on our for our newsletters. And would that be people who have participated in the program or community, uh, people in the community that support your work or, or both? Who's on that both. list? Um, both. Even internationally. Uh, the, the last email I sent out, the e-newsletter I sent out was opened in Finland and Australia and Italy. Yeah. So That's, that's um, wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Are there certain schools that kind of uh, come as a regular, you know, once a year or uh, or even more? Uh, or does yeah. it tend to be, uh, you know, one-time visits? We just certainly have a number of one-time visits um, from all over the place. We've had people come from as far as Marin and Sacramento um, and um, and San Francisco to visit us one time. But we do work with um, two, very closely with two elementary schools, Acorn Woodland and Encompass Academy Elementary Schools, which are about three blocks away from uh, from my farm. And so that, of course, the, that's so those kids come well. more regularly, huh? Yes. Most of our students come from either one of those two schools. Um, this year, we have expanded to working with two other schools, but we're not quite in the same league yet. Uh huh. No, not as not the relationships aren't quite as formed. Is that is that what exactly. I'm hearing? Exactly. Yeah. And how do you decide? You, uh, I was uh, really intrigued by the idea that the kids do this work, and then you start uh, savings accounts for them. How do you decide? Is it on a per hour kind of? kind of basis that you decide what to put in their accounts? Well, we, you know, we had one rule, and and the one rule to obtain the accounts was that the kids had to spend 100 hours with us. 
um, in one of our camps or, you know, throughout the, throughout the year in order to receive the savings account. Um, what money we do, um, get from the sale of our produce, it's divided up between the kids that have met that obligation. Oh, that's fantastic. So they have a real goal they're working on, as well as just learning about how to grow things. They're also working for that goal at the end then. Exactly. I'm guessing they're pretty highly motivated in that way. Would that be a fair statement? I, I know a lot of little kids who are very motivated by you know, the dollars, uh, seeing the dollars, savings accounts and that kind of thing. Right. Well, the, I don't think it's so much the money that, you know, because the money doesn't come into their hand, it goes into the bank. So it's uh-huh. not necessarily the, the money that has been motivated. As, as a matter of fact, I was just um, explaining to my staff that when we first started doing our camp, we lost a lot of kids, you know, like within the first couple of weeks, you know, kids didn't want to come back because I was running it. I was, you know, all about the work, you know, you want the season to count, you got to get, got to get to oh. dirty. <laughs> so it actually wasn't that. a big motivator. Right. Uh, it was uh-huh. a sort of an interruption. So, what do you what do you think does motivate the kids? What keeps them hanging in with it? Well, you know, last year I hired a fun maker um, who knew that kids like to do things other than farm. Like for me, farming is like the height of everything. But <laughs> <laughs> not for know, everybody, huh? <laughs> right? Like they needed to go swimming and bowling and you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, so she made sure that they got a lot of recreation time as well as working on the farm with me. Um, and so we we retained a lot more kids, and we actually had enough fill, um, fulfill the hours to open up the account. Oh, that's fantastic! So you you sound like a person who. Um doesn't get attached to a certain way you're doing it. When you see that some isn't quite working, you just change it. Am I getting the right Absolutely. impression of you? Absolutely. That's the only way we're going to be able to move forward. If you're, you it's, know, a, it's a good talent that not everybody is, um, you know, wired that way to just change it when it's not quite working. So that I'm sure that helps a lot with the, with the growth of the project. Um, are you connected with other organizations in Oakland, you know, doing this show since I happen to be in Oakland, uh, I've been paying more attention to what's happening in Oakland that relates to what I'm doing. And there are just a a lot of people I feel that are doing things that are, uh, the purpose of which is to kind of help the youth in this city, uh, addressing themselves, you know, all of the difficulty and and do something positive. And that's certainly how I'm seeing what you do. Are you connected with other organizations that have that kind of mission as well? Absolutely. Um, one of our first and, and best partners uh, is Communities for a Better Environment here in Oakland. And they're um, working really hard on policy to ensure that lower income areas of Oakland are not um, dumped on, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make mm-hmm. sure that we that 
the East Oakland and West Oakland areas um, don't bear the brunt of the diesel trucks and the um, the crematorium that's trying to be built out here. Um, so they're they're a wonderful partner. Also, Hope Collaborative um, has a number of different programs uh, that work with youth, that um, work with our food system, changing the food system in East Oakland, um, and, of course, environmental justice. Um, that's just to name a few, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Rattle off five or six more. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's hard to, I, you know, I can see where if you're, you're growing, uh, it, you're trying to make sustainable food, then ecological justice is sort of a natural fit for that. So um, that that doesn't seem surprising that you would be especially connected with organizations working on that. And and do the kids get some training around that too? Uh, you know. Yes. So that so that they they get a kind of global picture out of it as well, huh? Absolutely. Um, last year we started bringing in um, concepts of what food is worth, you know, to start thinking beyond just what what's on your plate right now, but where it came from, who gathered it, who, who made it for you, all of those pieces um, so that kids can start thinking outside of themselves, outside of East Oakland, and think on a, on a more global level. It's similar with the... Um, with the uh, composting and and recycling that we do it's really important you know for if we're going to have the next generation care about our environment that we start young age 5 to 13 you know while kids are still able to be mystified by things yeah and also as a parent i know it was really hard to get those messages across to my own children directly from me to them but if they had something outside of our home that exposed them, they'd come back teaching me and telling me I was doing it wrong. And you right. know, then they kind of owned it themselves. Does that happen with, with your kids, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. My, um, one, of our, one of our students' uh, mothers came back this spring. We had a spring break mini camp. Um, and she told me that, the, her daughter asked her what kind of tomatoes they were, and they might be paste tomatoes because they're kind of. <laughs> I guess the texture was was off. <laughs> uh huh. I love knowing something you don't know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And and that gives you a certain um, inroad that I think parents really actually don't often have uh, at moments, of course, but. Uh, you know, there's there's other things going on with parenting, so I can imagine you have quite an influence on them. Uh, um, I explained to my mother, you know, we're playing the long game here. You know, at some at some point in the future, it's my hope that a student will come back and say, "Hey, I'm a farmer now," or "Hey, I'm a nutritionist now," um, mm -hmm. or a dietitian, or or whatever. Um, but, you know, we're working with very young kids, so we have to wait until they um, come into their own. Yes, but even if uh, not many of them go that way as a career, they're going to have that embedded in them, that, that awareness of food and where it comes from, how it's produced. You know, we're, we're so connect, disconnected in urban environments from that information. Uh, it seems great that they're getting exposed to that so young. 
Absolutely. Um, can you tell me maybe uh, in the next, we're, we, we have a break in, you know, very shortly, but I, I, I guess I'd like to get to know one of the kids. You know, was there one kid that sort of stands out at this moment that you enjoyed working with? Uh, yes, um, I'd say you know I don't have I don't have favorite kids in the camp. Um, yeah, but, uh, no, I wasn't talking on that level for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one little boy that really um, impresses me when I see him is Nosa. So Nosa's family, um, he is nine years old, and his family is from Nigeria. They recently um, immigrated here. And um, he came to the program almost already knowing everything, what compost was, mm-hmm. how to plant things. It was like he was he was taking the, the program and running with it. Um, He's ready. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we started speaking about... Um, about Nigeria, you know, and asking him questions about what, you know, what's it like there. And somebody asked if he ever saw a lion. He's like, no, I never saw a lion. But, you know, I had lots of goats and I had, you know, cattle and so on and so forth. And they're like, wow, you had a goat? Did they, you know, did it kick you? Did it say that? (laughs) We're dealing with young (laughs) kids. And Nosa sounded like a little old man. He said, don't talk to me about African animals. They're all stubborn. (laughs) <laughs> we lost it. All the counselors lost it. Like, what what could the goat possibly have done to you <laughs> to make you feel like all African animals? But so we took him. We took him. We took the group to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no problem. Listeners, during the break, you can go to anvfarm.org to learn more about Kelly Carlisle and the work of Acta Non Verba. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. 
Welcome back to Good Grief. Today I'm talking with Kelly Carlisle, the founder and director of Acta Nonverba, an Oakland, California program using an urban garden to help kids. You know, Kelly, I know that um, for you and many, many veterans, it can be pretty rough coming out of the military. And uh, I'm imagining that somehow connects with you doing this. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Because I, I know the article talked about it, so I'm pretty sure they're connected for you. Absolutely. Um, so when I left the military, I mean, that was that was very difficult, um, leaving the military in the first place, um, because for me it was the ultimate um, secure job. You know, there was no... There was no job that couldn't, you know, the the Navy couldn't lay you off. They couldn't, you know, just snatch your your funds from under you. You know, it it was so secure and it was so um, almost for me, for me anyway, it was family friendly. You know, Mm -hmm. there were there's daycare for my kid. I never had to think about, you know, where will she go to school um, because I I knew that she was going to be going to DOD school. Anyway, so it was really a rough transition for me um, to to get out and uh, to enter the civilian world where, you know, in the military, we kind of have a hierarchy. You know, we know who to who to salute and who not to salute. Um, mm. And to come back to the Bay Area, or I'll, I'll say my area in, in Oakland and Berkeley, um, and not to have people say, at the very least, thanks for your service, or... When you say that you were in the Navy, they come back with something really negative. Um, mm-hmm. My first job out of the military was a corporate job in downtown Oakland. And within two days of being hired there, uh, a lady <laughs> stopped me and gave me the business about what we were doing over there. So, um, so it was really hard. It was a hard transition. Um so, and so for you, leaving the mil I know many people uh, experience a lot of losses in the military, but for you, leaving the military was a big loss. Absolutely. You know, it was, um, you know, here in, in the Bay Area, one would say that I was institutionalized, right? I, I liked having my, my check on the 1st and the 15th. I liked being able to be promoted at regular intervals. I liked, um, you know, I liked having my my health care paid for. I mm-hmm. didn't have to think about, you know, a copay. As a matter of fact, when I got my corporate job and they were explaining to me copays versus uh, the uh, deductible, I <laughs> I almost cried in the in the uh, HR room, you know, because why do I have to think about this? You know, I'm doing the work. Why can't you just fix my teeth? You know? mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so the, yeah, st- it was the structure a- really, really was very comforting it, that everything Absolutely. was sort of taken care of. Yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, my daughter getting her shots and, you know, checkup, regular checkups, you know, it was no, there was no looking around for a doctor, you know, it was all there's the Navy doctor. <laughs> you know? right. That's where we go. So anyway, um, uh, in 2009, 2008-2009, I was laid off from that corporate job, and um, I was looking for something my daughter and I could do together because now, of course, I can't pay for uh, daycare. And so um, I ended up 
going to a local nursery and uh, I saw a, a lemon tree. But it was so crazy because the tree was like the size of my daughter, you know, who was like three or four at the time. <laughs> it was so small, but it had these huge, bright yellow lemons on there. So um, <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody was playing, you know, like who would who would glue these lemons onto this little tree? Um, so I, I bought it, and I took it home, and I planted it, and I, I dared the tree to do it again. Do it again. Do it again in my backyard. <laughs> and it did. And immediately I fell in love. It was instantaneous. The moment the flower turned into a lemon, I was, it was like I had had another kiss. <laughs> mm. Mm. And so um, it, it took on, it, it escalated for me from, you know, that one lemon tree to way too many tomato plants to lettuce and grapevines. And um, it was um, each time something grew to its best uh, harvest, you know, from my not knowing anything, you know, it, it all looked like a giant miracle. And I, I felt myself becoming a better person. I felt myself becoming a better mom because in these plants, I can see, I could see how nurturing my daughter, you know, was like nurturing these plants, making sure that, you know, she, that the tree is in fertile soil, making sure that she's in a learning environment, you know, making sure that, you know, I, I protect the protect the plant from frost, you know, is similar to how I make sure that she puts on sunscreen or, you know, make sure she wears, you know, closed-toed shoes when it's kickball day, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And more than that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I, I personally um, try to talk about my um, positive experience in the military, um, the things that the Navy did for me and taught me um, are invaluable. Like, I can't, nobody can take that away from me. Um, yeah. But there were a lot of things, other things that happened as well. And I, uh, after we got the land at Tassafaranga and I, I was able to grow more and more and spend, you know, way more time out and on the farm. I realized that it was cathartic, you know, just trying to release some of the guilt of things that I had said and done and release some of the shame of things that had been said and done to me um, during both the military and the corporate time. So, yeah, I think now I, I certainly feel like I'm where I belong doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I I really uh, like hearing that last connection because uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, my own um, healing after my wife died. And there were a few things I had to do. I had to sing every day. I had to put my hands in the dirt every day. And I had to say I love you every day for that, that year. And, and the dirt, was, I'm not much of a gardener typically, but that one year... I really had to touch the dirt every day, and I, mm-hmm. I, and so I know what you're talking about. That there's something just very healing and grounding about that. I don't know what other year, words to use. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I tried not to use the word magic a lot. <laughs> uh huh. Magical, maybe so too. And the, and the other thing I'm so aware of since I do live in Oakland and. Um, you know, think a lot about the weight of grief of kids in this city. 
Um, you know, I have a lot of teacher friends who will tell me every single kid has lost somebody, you know, either on their block or a relative or, you know, so to me, for them to be able to come garden with you is um, potentially has an impact on that, on that too, on their own healing. Definitely. Um, definitely. When we, when we talk about planting and we talk about um, nurturing and harvesting, we certainly talk about the ways that <laughs> our lives are impacted similarly. Um, I am not trained to to analyze children, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of them have, have had loss and, you know, we sit with them when they're sad and, you know, when they don't want to, when they don't want to play and they don't want to plant and they don't want to do anything, we sit with them. Um, but I know that handing a little girl who's lost her cousin a handful of fresh picked strawberries certainly makes her smile. I know that that, you know, has to have some kind of positive impact on her. Um, to to have the boys, you know, who have seen fights and have, you know, been been victimized themselves, you know, able to dig up dirt and, you know, really get in there and find the worm. It's, it's nothing else. It has to be distracting um, from whatever is happening in their home. Well, and then the other thing I wonder about, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you would exactly talk about gardening without talking about life cycle. Uh, yeah. You know, so to me, without saying anything about the losses, it's possible they're hearing something about, you know, things are born, they live, their lifespan, they die, you know. <laughs> Um, that's sort of embedded in gardening, yeah? Yeah. And working with plants. So I, I can imagine that that's sort of a subliminal message a little bit, even though you're not trying to do that. Right. Um, so how long do the kids stay involved? Because I would also imagine that the longer they're around, the more likely you'd be to hear those other parts of their stories? So um, our first camp was in the summer of 2000, well, our first youth camp. So we had, in 2011, we uh, broke ground on our farm. We were working with teenagers, um, age, I want to say, 15 to 19. Um, And that's when I decided that I needed to work with younger kids. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was too rough an age group to start out with. <laughs> it was not my um, cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that I learned early. <laughs> <laughs> when but, you get bigger, um, you, you can know, hire someone who's who's you know teenage um, gifted or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, and it has to be a gift, you know. I have I have two teenage um, interns right now, and you know, my production manager works with them because I'm like, somebody needs to tell this kid. <laughs> but um, but so yeah, so that we we started in 2012 with the 12 to 13 year olds, and um, 
We have had, I'd say, we've had a few kids return uh, for last summer, last spring, and then last summer, 2013. Um, and then this year, we uh, had a number from last summer come back. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, this is our fourth camp. Yeah, this this summer will be our fourth camp, and we have a bunch of returning parents or so returning kids. You're witnessing the um, the building of of it too. Have you had any kids come because they heard someone else liked it? Oh yeah, like last last spring when we got the fun maker. <laughs> like we got halfway through the spring break week and. Like twelve kids wanted to sign on because you know we were going swimming all of a sudden, and we were, <laughs> you know, we were going to have a pizza party. <laughs> you worked the gardening yes. into the other activities. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, she really had to sit me down and be like, "I know this is your thing, Kelly. <laughs> you know, you've chosen to work with children." <laughs> Did you garden as a kid? A little bit. Um, my parents had a extensive tomato garden when I was a child living out here in East Oakland. Um, and then both of my parents went to Berkeley, and we didn't have a, a backyard to, to grow in. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, when they were growing tomatoes here in East Oakland, I thought they were totally weird, like, why, you know, why would you do that? Like, why can't we just go to the grocery store like everybody else? Why is <laughs> Maybe a little embarrassing, that, huh? Yes. Why is this one <laughs> more thing that sets me apart? You know, because they couldn't just grow the tomatoes and come back inside. You know, there were so many of them, they had to give them away. And so they're going to the neighbors. And, of course, the neighbors' kids are my classmates. And so, <laughs> so yeah, I thought it you was were totally exposed. weird. You were, you were, you were sort of... Um... You couldn't hide. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, I, I was reflecting on that, you know, as my own <laughs> tomatoes went crazy in, uh, on our farm last year. I'm like, yeah, this is weird. You know, <laughs> I'm begging people to take tomatoes, please. <laughs> but that must, uh, that must give you a real sense that you're planting, literally planting a seed because, you know, something that was kind of embarrassing and and whatnot now is the heart of your life yes so that that must be uh a good a good thing to keep in mind for you as the kids are maybe sometimes resisting or not quite going along with it or needing their pizza that in fact you're probably going to stick anyhow (laughs) my fingers are crossed (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i have grown children and and a lot of things that i didn't think would really take um are now very evident so i have i I don't know that that finger crossing is you know i think i think that'll happen with many of them because it's a impactful experience for sure um, do you have a favorite kind of plant to grow? What's your? F- I think my favorite plant to eat that I grow. I mean, you know, we only we only grow edible stuff, but my favorite thing to eat that I like to grow is uh, tomatoes. 
You know, like the varieties of tomatoes are amazing. We had a, a black tomato last year that was black all the way until August, like, 3rd, and then they all wow. turned this plum color at the same time. <laughs> I was going to guess tomatoes. <laughs> Our second break <laughs> is here. And don't forget, you can find me at Good Grief's host page at Voice America or at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com, to contact me for for counseling, speaking, or consultation. Uh, I'm also, I can work all over Cal- California through the Regroup platform. We will be back after the break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Kelly Carlisle from Actinon Verba, an urban farming project that teaches kids to grow produce in the city of Oakland, California. Kelly, let's talk about hopes and dreams. If the sky was the limit, what do you envision for your organization? If the sky was the limit, um, which it I'd may be, say, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say um, acreage. I'd say, um, you know, it's it's great to have this farm in the middle of the city where kids walk by it on their way to school or to the library or to the rec center um, for the basketball games at the gym. Um, it's great. I know that we're we're having an impact. I know for sure that we've um, elevated the quality of life in in East Oakland by having this uh, small farm here. Um, but. I, there's something about going away to to visit, right? That's why kids love to go camping, right? Because you're going away. Um, it's not like... I think that there should be a farm retreat for youth. I think that, you know, if the sky was the limit, I had five, ten acres that I could 
well, not only could it, could we increase our production here, you know, for this area, but we could also um, offer farm stays, you know, for kids who do need a, a break, you know, when when they lose someone. They, they of course want to be with their with their mothers, and you know the mothers are going through the their grieving process, and so you know it's it's hard to see the kids not able to, you know, just be somewhere and deal with their own pain. Um, so yeah, that that's my hope and dream is that in the next couple of years we will get actual acreage somewhere. Within within city limits, preferably, but I'm um, I'm not terribly picky at this point. <laughs> but w- but within city limits, you'd really like to um, have kids be able to go not very far and be in a different and uh, reality. Exactly. Hmm. And and um, so. In the same way this garden came about, that someone just said, we need someone to do something with this land, (laughs) and you were there ready, Um, that's the dream that someone would say, we need someone to do something with this 10 acres. Exactly. You know, I'm thinking about my, my own mother living through World War II and how they made kind of victory gardens everywhere. Uh, there was a time when there were inner city gardens all over the place mm-hmm. because people uh, needed the needed the food, you know. Um, yeah. So it doesn't seem that outlandish to me that because there are so many empty empty spots in in Oakland, um, it it that seems like a possible dream to me. Does it to you as well? It does. It it all it's it's both who you know and, and where you are when you meet them. Um, I have my eyes set on uh, <laughs> a parcel right now. <laughs> oh, where is, is it? Um, so it is uh, just um, outside of the Eastmont Mall or, you know, Eastmont Wellness Center now. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it used to be bigger tires uh, back in the day. But it's right. a huge plot of land. Um, it has the capability to be what I'm, what I think of as like the jewel of East Oakland. You know, this is the same exit that people take to um, go to the airport. You know, and it would be really great to have something there. You know, where we we farm and it's beautiful, and the kids can come and feel safe. You know, right here in the middle of the city. And I, the thing that really uh, gave me goosebumps about that is that that's actually uh, a very dangerous corner uh, from my, you know, just hearing about um, things that happen in Oakland. I hear about that corner a lot. I've sung with my choir on that corner, the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir, you know, in a memorial. So to have something alive and growing there, that just seems so beautiful to me. And and something that has that other side to it, of of exactly. kind of life and living. Well, Was, I think that we have to we have to start to reclaim. I mean, this is something that I feel I feel so very passionate about that I like slide into this articulation. 
Go right ahead. we, We have to start to reclaim our joy, right? We have to start reclaiming places that I remember going to East Mount Mall with my mother, you know, and, and it, it wasn't awesome or anything, but it was at least a place that, you know, it was like a, a mommy daughter thing, you know, mm-hmm. now it, it feels worse than it feels worse than just uh, disinvested. And it feels actually like it's, dragging you down, right? It's it's yes. a depression. It's a depressive place. So mm-hmm. I think that we Oaklanders and people that care about Oakland, that care about, you know, youth out here and want to know why kids are, you know, are hurting each other and themselves, we have to start taking back these places and giving them more than just lip service about, you know, pull up your pants and, and, you know, go forth and do good, you know. We need to bring back uh, something that, that's tangible for them, for them to put them their hands in, for them to grow, for them to see, for them to taste, for them to smell, for them to protect themselves, you know. You should yes. see. We had little girls um, planting strawberries last year, and <laughs> a little boy came over and started Picking the, the leaves, you know, just randomly picking leaves because he was bored or whatever. And the girl got, like, super agitated, like, you leave our strawberries alone. Those are our strawberries. We planted them. You can't have any. Ah, you know? uh, and, I mean, that's the kind of ownership that we should have about our communities. Don't come in here dumping on our streets. Don't come in here, you know, selling your your drugs over here. You know, this is where my family lives, and this is where my friends are, and this is where I planted my strawberries. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just, just on a practical level, uh, the more people, you know, if, if we all run and hide in our houses, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't think it helps that growth of community and connection. I've just, the last several years, our neighborhood has had a block party every year, and every year there are more people, and we now know each other. You know, we call on each other, we we share information, we share barbecue, you know, whatever it is, and it makes such a huge difference uh, just to just to know each other. And interact, yeah. Yeah, I'm guess that I'm guessing that already happens with the land that you that you are working on now. That oh, yeah. um, with those schools being so near, you must be meeting a lot of the people in the community just through their kids interacting with you. Yes, and the parents are like, <laughs> you know, uh, last year we were growing a pepper. They look just like bell peppers. You know, most of our starts are donated, so sometimes we don't necessarily know what they are other than a pepper or a tomato. Um, so we had these peppers, and, you know, we're taking them home and eating them, and, I mean, it looked like a bell pepper. I took a bite of this pepper, and almost, my, it felt like my hair was going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> it was that <laughs> and so, and so I, I took it around to some of the parents. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? Nobody knew what it was until we got to the Spanish-speaking family. And they said, oh, that's Manzano. You didn't know that was hot? Well, that's a great example of what we're talking about, isn't it? That yes. you would never have figured out what it was, except someone was there that knew what it was and that had, 
could give you the information and share and and they'll go home and laugh at you and <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know <laughs> exactly so so that um would that be just uh, are there ways for adults to interact with the garden that don't have to do with the kids coming or is it mostly when they're chaperoning or helping so we have um, the first Saturday of every month, we have a work day, um, and we were doing a family dinner afterwards, and that was cool for a few months, um, but it was it turned out that I was the only person that wanted to spend six to eight hours at the farm. So <laughs> now... <laughs> That'll change. Now, <laughs> right. <laughs> you live and you learn. <laughs> so the, um, uh, now we have it from 12 to 4. And um, and we have lunch together, so you know it's all condensed into the four hours, and um, yeah, that's when we get our mo- most of our adults, um, our parents, our elders, our community elders uh, come through that day, and it's great. And actually, um, this coming first Saturday, the uh, June seventh, that's going to be our open house, and we have such a huge lineup. Can I tell you about it? No, you didn't tell me that. Why don't you mention the address in case there are local people who'd like to go? Sure. It's 1001 83rd Avenue, Brooklyn, California, 94621. We have Ron Finley from the TED Talks uh, coming. We have Terry, uh, sorry, Bryant Terry, um, who's the author of uh, Afro-Vegan coming. We have Jennifer Johns, which is like, she is this amazing um, international music star. Wow, that's going to be a time. I, I think I might have to try and get over there. <laughs> I really hope you do. I'll point myself out if I do so, since we haven't met. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely send you a personal invite. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, so, what else to talk about? Do you travel around as well, or are you mostly sticking at the garden so that things don't fall apart there? You know, sometimes people who start with a passion for doing something, then they get to running something, and it gets bigger and bigger, and it's hard to keep doing the thing you started the organization for does that happen with you or are you able to pretty much stick with the garden no it's definitely happened um this year in particular i am more of an executive director than a farmer um it's been it's it's disconcerting and it and it makes me a little bit sad you know that i have someone now who's doing an amazing job at the farm uh emily uh, finkel is our production manager down there she is doing a fantastic job i have nothing but love for her but i miss it i miss it i i wish i could just plant one bed but <laughs> uh-huh. I, I don't have time <laughs> Um, so I travel all over the place. As a matter of fact, um, you mentioned uh, that I was elected to go to Solando Gusto and Terra Madre in 2012. I yes. just found out that I've been selected again um, to to go back this year to Turin, Italy. So um, I'm there. There's uh, different conferences that I go to. Uh, I spoke in New York and Kentucky last year. Yeah. Executive directorness. Uh, yeah, executive directorness. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, I, I heard recently about somebody who had stopped doing any of the on-the-ground work for their organization. They started losing their passion. So I hope you get your hands in that dirt enough. Me too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm certainly not. I mean, my passion is still there for growing. It's just, you know, <laughs> there's also the growing of the organization, um, the way that the nonprofit system works you know you have to you got to do more than just plant and make kids smile yeah so so that's a nice way to look at it though that you are still growing just a different um a different kind of dirt and a different kind of seed yes yeah well i've really enjoyed talking about this i feel like going out in my garden right now and putting my hands um you know, in the dirt and picking some roses at least. I don't, I have two raised beds, but I haven't planted them this year. And now I feel motivated. Yes, you should. Um, I mean, especially, probably I would wait until tomorrow morning because it is super hot. It's blazing hot. Yeah, no, it wouldn't work right now. <laughs> they just shrivel <laughs> up, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so would you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Are there, are there, um, I don't know if I mentioned your website. It's anv.org, isn't that correct? It's anvfarm.org. anvfarm.org. So sorry about that. Um, is it, are there any other places you'd like to direct people before we? Yes. Our, uh, our website, sorry, our Facebook page, um, it's at the Nonverba Youth Urban Farm Project. Um, and, yeah, it has all the pictures of the kids. It has all of the, the guest speakers, the guest lineup for our open house on the 7th. Um, it's beautiful. It's, I'm excited. <laughs> is, that, is that recent? You sound like it just, it just took off. Well, it's just now taking off with all of our, um, you know, we we finally, I finally learned how to use that on Facebook for good and not evil. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been learning a lot about that myself. <laughs> well, it's yeah. time for us to. Um, we've had it for a couple of years, but now, you know, I'm not the only person um, uploading pictures to it. We have our production team doing it. We have um, our office team doing it. So there's a lot of good stuff on here. That's good, great. So and I direct um, people there. And Ke- Kelly, thanks for oh. being with me today. I've really enjoyed our time, and I hope I get to meet you out there at the gardens in June. Um, listeners, I hope you'll join me next week when Jules Evans will be here. Jules is a cancer survivor and writer whose fresh look at cancer is a must-read. She'll talk about her book, Shaken Not Stirred, A Chemo Cocktail, among other things. Be sure and join me then. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.